So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. So if ever there was a guest after my own heart, it would have to be this one, Mr. John Bellinger, another former colleague of mine at the Ketchum Global Public Relations and Communications Agency. And the reason John's story is particularly potent for me personally is because our career paths seem to have been shaped, for better or worse, by very similar forces, forces that it appears created all sorts of weird pressures and expectations. Whether he fully intended to or not, John is extraordinarily nuanced and eloquent in describing these, and also in how he goes about addressing the internal tug of war that often happens between our deepest desires to fulfill our purpose in life and our equally deep need to meet our day-in, day-out obligations and responsibilities. Which is my long-winded way of saying this here episode is well worth the listen. So without further ado, I present you John Bellinger. Let's dive in, man. That's cool. Let's do it. So question number one for you, John, do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or what it is you're meant to be doing here on this planet? Yeah, I always do like right when I'm falling asleep <laughs> right. or like right when I wake up and it's like I'm not in a position to actually do anything about it. And that's when I get kind of frustrated <laughs> and start like questioning my role in the universe and everything. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely do think about purpose. And I think like one thing that I like that I've kind of done in my life is I haven't necessarily always like tied that purpose to what I do to make money, like yeah. as my job. Like I think that's a, that that can be a source of frustration sometimes, where like I'm having a bad day and I'm just like, God, what am I doing? Why am I not doing the stuff I want to be doing? Right. Um, but I think I think too that lets me have more fun with my job because I don't need it to do all this heavy lifting spiritually right. and emotionally that I think like some other people that I see and people who are in my life sometimes have and. They're the ones who seem super stressed out by their work uh, for reasons other than time commitment. So, yeah, I mean, I I do think about it, and and I've managed to kind of structure my life in a way where I'm I can have a job and have a day job, but I'm I feel like I'm also pursuing what I feel is sort of my and this is in quotes my higher purpose in life, which is to write and and play music for people. Um, That's sort of the other the other big half of my life is is writing and performing music and recording music. So um, I feel like, yeah, I do think about purpose all the time, and all that energy tends to get funneled into music, Yeah, not, not my job, for better or for worse. Right. So, John, when did you first realize that that is your purpose? Really? I was really young. I think I was like 12 or 13. And I guess, I guess it's like around when I first tried to teach myself how to play guitar, and uh, it, it took me a really long time to be in any kind of place where I felt empowered or able to really, really dive into it. I think it was like, it didn't really happen until adulthood when uh-huh. I felt like I was in control of my own destiny. Um, 
like in high school, you know, I was like, I was a really good student. And so like, it was never going to be an option for me to like, you know, drop out of school and, and like become a musician in yeah. a way that most, most people who do make a career out of it tend to do. They, they tend to start really young at a professional level. And stupid question. Um, why, why would it, why would it have not been an option? I don't know. There were just a lot of factors in my life that kind of just made it not even something I, I would have considered at the time. You know, like in my family, education was super important and I have a Jewish mother who put a lot of pressure on me to do well in school. But, you know, I also, I had other interests other than music. I, I, I always felt like there was time and I would get to it eventually. And it was, you know, maybe it's sort of like, I think the reason a lot of people put off a lot of things in your life where you're like looking ahead to the next, phase of your life and you're kind of putting it off and then you get to that phase and then you're like, Oh, well, you know, I'm going to put it off to the next phase. So I guess in high school it was like, Oh, when I'm in college, like I can really start to write more music. And cause like in high, high school students now it's like, you have no time basically right. looking back on it. That's when I had the most time I've ever had, but at the time it felt like I was really busy and overscheduled. <laughs> right. um, and then you, know, you get to college and other stuff happens. And I think in college for me, it was, I, I, I just did, I couldn't find, people who wanted to play music. You know, I, I went to Yale and everyone was a pretty serious student and um, I, I knew very few musicians there and this is sort of like early internet. It was kind of hard to find them. Uh-huh. Um, and I did it. So I was writing music for myself, but I didn't really have like anyone pushing me to release it or, you know, do the stuff that happens when you're in a band. Um, so it really was kind of when I moved to New York after graduating college, uh, when I met, like-minded people who also wanted to play and write music. That, that's what kind of when it started in earnest. And fortunately I'd had at that point, like seven or eight years of doing it on my own. And it, you know, I sort of felt like I had my own voice confident in making artistic decisions. So I, I think it's in some ways it was good. That I waited so long yep. in other ways it's, it's bad because, you know, you missed out on a lot of years when, you know, most people are getting their careers started. And so I, I was sort of late to the game. When did you find yourself sort of mentally separating this idea of purpose versus your career or your kind of your job was there was there ever yeah. was there ever the idea that you were going to combine those two no i never wanted to combine music in my job yep i just i always knew that if i did that i wouldn't be happy on either side i've never really felt a need to like I, oh, I don't want to compromise, I guess, and, yeah. and make that decision that I've seen a lot of people make where it's like, oh, I really like music and, you know, I like playing music, but I'm, I don't think I can make a career out of that, so I'll, like, work for a record label or something like that. Right. I feel like it always crushes the passion that was there in the first place. Yeah. And I think it would just be, like, torture. It would be, like, what's that like where you're, like, sitting in front of a table full of food and you can't eat it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I either want to be doing it or I, or I'll probably just stop playing music altogether. You know, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do a half measure, um, as far as my passion's concerned. So yeah, I've never, I've never really had a temptation to like, you know, find some other thing to do just so I can be in that universe. Yeah. And when, and, and have you always had that mentality? I mean, have you always sort of had that kind of base understanding of, of not wanting your passion to get killed by your job? Yeah, I think, I think so. But it's funny because I've never really, I mean, you talk about purpose too, just going back to that, like. I've never really known what my purpose for my job should be. Yeah. I've sort of always stumbled into things and I end up really liking the jobs that I've, that I've had. And I, I love the people I work with and I, I always find them interesting for some reason, but I, I guess it's just because like, I don't really associate my job with 
any sense of purpose necessarily (laughs) in a broader sense. So I don't feel like I need to connect the two. Can you tell the listeners what it is that you do today? So I'm a creative director at an ad agency, um, a really, a really big old ad agency that works on, you know, some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, and my, my job is basically to work with planners and strategists to come up with creative campaigns. I tend to focus mostly on digital and internet based stuff, but I'm also writing, you know, TV ads and things like that. So, um, pretty broad and I sort of just float around from account to account and help out where I can. I know a lot of people are in theory troubled that they spend, you know, X amount of their waking hours in the workplace and to not have that fulfill some type of purpose. How do you reconcile that? I guess I don't reconcile it. And it does, it does bum me out. It's not like I've I've reached this perfect state of equilibrium where I'm totally happy on both fronts. Like I, I do lament, especially on days when I'm not, I'm not busy that I'm just like wasting my time hanging out, you know, and it's never like, Oh, I, I'm working for other people and I want to work for myself. It's it's not that it's more just that, especially now that I have a kid, time is so precious. Right. And, um, you know, I'd always rather be in the studio or on tour or doing something like that. But, um, so, so yeah, it does bum me out, but I mean, that also brings with it, a lot of sacrifices that I'm not willing to make every single day of my life, you know, like being away from my friends and family and, um, you know, having a good day job enables me to invest in my music career in a way that bands who, you know, like our manager manages several other bands, they're all bartenders and they work in hotels right? and they have not a cent to put into the band and, and their music and any, any money that they make doing music always goes to feel like their base life requirements, like paying rent and buying food and stuff like that. And I have the luxury of not having to worry about that. So any, any money we make as a band goes back into the music, which is really cool. So, you know, I'm always sort of like weighing these, these competing things in my head. Like, well, my day job is what prevents me from playing music all the time. But if I was playing music all the time, I wouldn't be able to approach it as a pure artistic endeavor. Right. If it was like, if I had to pay rent, for doing it and it enabled us to make some creative decisions that I think if we needed to make as much money as possible every single time we did something, those creative decisions might be quite different. Yeah. You know, so we, we can turn we can turn things down that other bands can't. We don't need to be on tour constantly playing for nobody um, in search of an audience. You know, we can be a little bit more strategic right. about how we make investments and things like that. And you know, I think like having day jobs makes it difficult to do things that bands that can jump in a van on short notice can do too. Like we've, we've, we've lost out on some opportunities too because of that. But I think in the, at the end of the day, the net has been pretty positive. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to look at the world from that perspective of your band manager, what would you say is, or is not the benefit from that existence? Is there any, what's the benefit of, of, of kind of going, going, like going just for focusing on music? I mean, the benefit of that is you're, you never, you have fewer things that you're second guessing, you know, like, you know, I I always wonder, you know, what, and I I spoke about this earlier, like what if in college I had made that my main focus and that was all I did. And I did, you know, go out on the road and not knowing where it was going to take me. And, you know, like maybe I would be able to do it full time now. Like you, you the less you do, the more you're questioning what you should have done and could have done. Um, and so sitting at a desk all day, you know, obviously there's a lot of time that I'm not doing music stuff. And so 
there probably are lots of missed opportunities that I haven't been able to take advantage of. And that is, that is kind of the thing that stresses me out. Yep. Um, I will say though, that, I mean, one nice thing too, and this is just me personally, I sort of need to not be thinking about, about my passion and music all the time. I think it's like when my brain goes into sort of like an autopilot mode, you know, if I'm doing some kind of mindless or boring at work, like that's sometimes when my best melodies come to me. Right. And it's like when you, you know, it's, I don't think it's uncommon when, when you sit down and try really hard to come up with something, it's difficult. Happens, and yeah. like the best, the best ideas come to you when you're not thinking about the task at hand. So I, I sort of do like having some structure time-wise in my life that lets me sort of shut my brain off and I let the good ideas kind of like come in the open window, yep. so to speak. John, did you ever have a vision then for anything related to your professional career? How you wanted that to unfold? Yeah, I did have a vision, you know, and I still do. I do have a vision. It's it's very loose, though, yeah. and it's very, um, there's not a lot of grand planning. It's always sort of like, okay, well, what's the next, what's the next, like, threshold I need to reach? You know, it's, not, it's you know, yep. some of it comes down to, like, how much money I'm making and stuff like that. Some of it comes down to, um, you know, where, like, you know, we were talking about before, like, where I want to live and yep. things like that. So it's, I don't, I've never had, like, a grand vision or an ultimate goal that I'm trying to reach and everything is building towards that. You know, it's not like, you know, like if you're a lawyer and you want to make partner, it's not like that. And, right. and I think like my weird succession of jobs, although now I can see a through line having lived through it on the surface, there's not a lot of connection between a lot of the things I've done. I'd say like the thing that's just driving me is that I don't want to be bored and I want to work with interesting people and, and do interesting things. And I, I think like, for better or for worse, my decisions about what jobs I've taken have been more rooted in that than some sense of, you know, working to working towards some ultimate goal. And I'm still, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm, yeah. I probably never will. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, John, let me ask this question from one other angle. Are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger? Oh, man. That's such a hard question to answer for me because I don't, I don't think when I was younger, like, I ever really knew where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time when I graduated college and when I was in college, like figuring out what I wanted to do. I'm always kind of skeptical of people who like knew they wanted to work in like one, one specific field and sort of like tailored their education and every internship and every opportunity they've had like towards that. Uh-huh. It's, it's great for them if they're happy ultimately being there. But I, I also know a lot of people who did that and then like completely changed careers when they turned 30 and stuff. So, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I've never really like known exactly what I wanted to do in college. I did, I did like all these weird different internships. Like I, at one point, like I worked at a bank, which was like terrible. Yeah. I quit that internship like halfway through. Um, then like I thought maybe I should go to law school. So I like took the LSATs and all that. I'm yeah. really glad I didn't. Um, I worked my first job out of college was an internship at CBS news. Yep. And the only reason I really did that is because like a friend's dad worked there and that was like the internship I could get. <laughs> and then right. like, so then I was like, oh, well, maybe at no point was I like, oh, yeah, I really want to work as a journalist, you know, and I did that. And then, like, when I first started working in PR, it's because I was moving to Chicago and um, a close friend worked at the same agency and was like, hey, I think you really like working here and then we can work together. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. So I started doing that and then found out I really liked PR. Right. And so then, like, I, I feel like my goals were all of a sudden I had, like, goals in the PR industry that I wanted to reach right. and I was able to, to do some of those over the next like four years that I worked in PR and then I got tired of that 
and I, I was sort of like, well, I want to do more than PR, but I know marketing and I've been working in marketing for years and I should probably stay in that. So I went into advertising and I've been, <laughs> I've been doing that. And I, I've sort of like, for me, I guess like the thing that I always try to control is just kind of like, and there's a couple of things. It's, it's who, who's on the team that I'm working with. Yep. And, I'm, and I'll make changes, um, whether it's where I'm working or what projects I'm working on or what my role is to get surrounded by a team that I really like and that I enjoy working with. Because if I'm going to have to be in the office all the time, like I want to work with cool people that I have fun with. Yep. The second thing is like, how much oversight do I have over me? I don't really like having a boss. Right. So like that's that's a thing like, if I have a vision for like where I want my job to be, it's where I'm like sort of in control of my own destiny within an agency environment. Yeah. Which I know is important to you too. Right. Um, and then, and then it's just what, um, you know, other projects I'm working on. I need to have like a steady stream of projects that I know are going to be interesting and fulfilling. And, and I don't have too many specific requirements for what, what that ends up being. Like it could be almost any brand. Um, as long as the creative challenge is something that I find interesting, you know, I'm happy working on that. And if I start to feel like I need to make a change and, you know, leave an agency or something, it's because I feel like that stream of cool stuff to work on is drying up. Yeah. That's a much longer answer than I think what, what you were yeah, looking no, for, it's but great. it's, that's sort of like how I, I don't have like a broader vision. I'm reacting to a lot of stuff in yeah. real time, but those are sort of like the filters. I apply to like decide whether I'm happy where I'm where I am or if I want to make a change. John, can I ask what did your what do your parents uh, do? So my mom, they're both retired, but my mom was a teacher for her whole career. Yep. Uh, and my dad did like a ton of different stuff. Like he's he was a small business owner. He was a teacher, um, and then he worked uh, most of his career until he retired. He had his own insurance company, and you know he he did that. Yeah. And I don't I don't totally know what he did. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, he's always sort of like, he had some of the same, like he always wanted to work for himself, you know? And I I think like for better or for worse, he found ways to do that. And sometimes it worked out and sometimes it didn't. Um, But yeah, it's funny. Like I didn't get too much guidance career wise from them other than like, I needed to go to really good schools and like do well with them. Right. Um, So I think like I'll blame my parents a little bit (laughs) for my like lack of direction or like lack of just, not lack of direction, but lack of decisiveness uh-huh. about like what what I want to be doing and and you know what path I need to take to get there. If you were able to counsel them, kind of in hindsight, what could or should they have done? They knew I was like a. This is going to sound like bragging, but I was I was a somewhat talented musician. Like you know, I was writing songs at an early age, and I could play lots of instruments pretty well. And um, they knew that, but they, they never really looked at that as an alternative path for me in Uh life. It was always, I feel like they always saw it as like a thing to put on your resume. Yup. Yup. To, to get into a really good college. And then the the purpose was never for me to continue doing that. Uh And I think like on the one hand, like I'm glad they weren't like that because I could have easily gone down like the classical music road. I played viola and violin and stuff like that. Um, And that's not something I wanted to do, but like, I, I think, for them, it would, it never would have been conceivable that I would have a career in the arts. And even now working in advertising, like my mom's like, always like, Oh, it seems kind of risky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. so it's like, I, you know, they, they wanted me to be like a lawyer or a doctor. So I, in hindsight, I guess like mentoring me a little bit better about, you know, if I have a passion, you know, really following that and, and making that into a business yep. instead of just like playing it, playing it 
playing into someone else's like, uh, yeah, like a safer path of business or something like that, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, but it's not, I don't think that's an unusual experience no, 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 not at all. to have with your parents. So not at all. So, so, um, a related question on a scale of zero to 10, where zero is a total non-issue and 10 is a big, dark, gloomy shadow. How large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had over your career path to date? Is there a financial kind of overtone that's, that's continuously yeah. in the background? I'd, it's pretty prominent, Yep. but only because I, I think it's like my fault because living in New York, for as long as I have, like I brought it on myself. I don't know any musicians who are able to stay in New York long term. Right. Who don't have super established careers. I mean, it's the rent is so high. Right. It's not just for your apartment, but like where do you play? Where do you rehearse your music? Like the rent for that is super high. The rent for that is what most apartments cost in other cities. Right. And and those are disappearing. The cost of recording in New York is is like in the stratosphere. Uh-huh. Um getting your gear fixed in New York is super expensive. So, I mean, like right from like the first day I moved to New York, like I've had to make, I have to make money. Right. You can't, I don't, have, I don't have parents who can pay my way. So it's financial considerations have always been huge. And I, I do think that's played like a fairly big role in me being like somewhat risk averse yep. in terms of like a work music balance. And it's funny. Cause like when I first, when I first moved to New York, financial considerations were like paramount. Like it was a day-to-day survival. I could barely pay rent most right. months. Right. And then and I had like a decent job. And then, you know, as you sort of like get promoted a few times and you settle in, like you're making more money. Then all of a sudden, like I was willing to spend tons of money on my music and like not even worry about it. Right. And then I had a kid. <laughs> so now, right. it's like, now it's like, oh, oh crap. It's like back to having like it's hanging over my head and, you know, it's right. important again. And so, you know, so it's like, I think like ultimately if it came down to it, you know, if we were offered the right deal or something like that, I might take it and go on tour or something like that and, and take a financial risk because you know, there's only so many years you have to pursue your passion. But yeah, I have to be super calculated about it now. Hey, uh, John, thinking back on your career to date and thinking about your family, friends and colleagues, is there a consistent thread in the type of counsel or advice that they have sought from you over the years? So when I first started working in PR, it was on like the internet started to explode and like people who otherwise didn't feel like they needed to pay attention to it all of a sudden, like their jobs were at risk if they didn't. So I feel like the one thing that people consistently come to me with questions about is, is, is the internet and how certain things work and like what people are doing there. And it's amazing to me. still like older and younger people still like don't feel empowered to like go find these things out for themselves necessarily right. or right. or they try to and they get confused or it's like I learned everything that I had to learn from my job just by like being curious and figuring it out. I, I, yeah. I haven't really had too many um, mentors in a formal sense, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I mean like yeah. people, uh, people still come to me for, with you know, with questions about like, what brands should be doing online and yeah. you know, and how, how certain people are using the web and stuff like that. And it's, it's like funny cause uh, it's not like I'm like a font of, <laughs> of secret information. And I just sort of, I always like point them to websites that they can read <laughs> stuff like that. Like, have you ever heard of Google? Um, yeah, exactly. Let me Google that for you. It's like one of my favorite links to some people. And speaking of what, what drove your initial kind of love or interest in the web? I mean, from as like early as I can remember, I've 
been interested in computers and stuff, but not from like a technical standpoint. You know, I never considered like becoming an engineer or anything like that. But I, I guess it started with video games. Yep. You know, like I've played video games for as long as I can remember, as long as there have been such things as like consoles and mainstream gaming stuff to play. And like my brother and I, my little brother and I used to just, we'd like go rent a game from Blockbuster and just spend the entire weekend playing it. And you know, that evolved into PC gaming and, you know, then when the internet sort of became a thing, regular people could afford, there was like an internet culture around games and gaming that I sort of got involved with. And then I went to college and, you know, all of a sudden like there was file sharing and stuff. It's just sort of been like an organic evolution where it's yeah. always just kind of been part of my life in some way. Yep. Um, but it's always been a means to like have weird experiences with other people and not always people that I know. Right. And so I guess that's like the one thing that I've like always stayed interested in regardless of like what technology is the thing that people are using. Uh-huh. Um, and so I guess that's like it carried over naturally to my job because that's like what our clients pay us to do is right. connect with people in new ways. So like, I mean, I, yeah, there was never like one, one thing where I was like, Oh my God, this is what I want to do with my life. It's, it's going to be a part of my life no matter what. Yep. So I may as well get paid to talk to people about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. Um, and, and by the way, where does that, that idea of sort of connecting to people, can you trace that back to anything in particular? Yeah. I mean, like, it's like playing a board game. It's like, why do we play board games? It's like you play with people that you live with, like your family, but it's like a new, it's like a new context to engage with someone who you might already know yeah. or with like a it's It's just, it's like it gives you something to do and in the act of doing that, like weird things come out or like weird conversations happen. I don't know. Like you build real, like people always talk about video games is like, Oh, it's like a mindless thing where you're like, you shut your brain off or whatever. But I feel like I always have like, the most interesting conversations with my friends while you're playing like NHL 98 hockey. Right. You know, like it, that's like when you actually get to know someone. Right. Um, so I sort of, it, it doesn't come from any like altruistic place. Like, I yeah. guess it's just, I find it like interesting how people behave. I mean, part of, part of my interest in it also just comes from fucking with people. Right. Like, I don't know. I like to fuck with people and like, play jokes on people and right. and like con- confront people with uncomfortable things and just because I think it's funny and stuff and the internet's been like really good for that and I think like it's funny I would like never I would never like wear that on my sleeve in my capacity as like someone who who does this for a living right. for clients but it's like I am always sort of thinking of like well what's like the funniest thing I can do or right. like what's like how can we use technology to like surprise or scare people in a way that makes them laugh you know, right. or make them uncomfortable in some way. And I think like internet technology can do that in like unique ways for like a number of reasons that, that other things can't. So it's like all these digital strategists, web strategists that just have this like basic need to fuck with people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. No one would admit it, but it's like, you know, at the core we use in PR. I had like a pretty, pretty good run of like using client budgets to like do weird <laughs> projects I always wanted to do anyway. Right. That I thought were hilarious. Right. I love it. A couple more questions here, John, and then we'll wrap yeah. up. Are there any career decisions that you would today choose to undo or somehow redo? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if I can call it a career decision, but I think like a lot of the things I did over the summers in college were things that I thought I had to do or that I should be doing or that I saw other people doing and I was like, oh shit, I should do that too. Like, you know, right. interning in a bank. So, like, <laughs> I really wish I had just spent like, I, I've never, 
until I worked in PR, I've never had a job get me another job. Right. So like, I, I, I just kind of wish I had like, just tried to do like really crazy things like just go surf for a whole summer right. or really like go on tour and play music for a, like, I, I don't know why looking, I do know why looking back on it, I felt like I had this pressure coming from different places and pressure. I didn't always understand at the time. Yeah. Um, that led me to do these things that I just, you know, they're just like a waste of time. Yeah. I guess in one sense, like it, it helped me like know with certainty that I didn't want to do certain things. But looking back on it, that doesn't make for like good stories. This pressure. How would you define that pressure? What what were the aspects of that pressure? Yeah, I guess it was just not wanting to disappoint people. Uh-huh. And, you know, so like my family, you know, it's like I said, yep. like my family education. really wanted, you know, yeah, education was really important. They really want, and they have such like an outdated sense of like what a good job, you know, for them, like their generation, you know, you get one job and you might stay in that job for the rest right, of your right, life. Right. Yep climb the corporate ladder or whatever. So like for the, even the fact that I jump around different agencies is like mind, mind blowing to them. Right. But, um, so there's like that, you know, being young and not wanting to disappoint them, which yep. I shouldn't have cared about at the time, yep. but that's just, that's how, how it is. Um, also just like, I don't know, like not, not wanting to take a risk and failing. Yeah. I think like until I, until I was older, I, if I didn't know the outcome of something, I was like hesitant to do it. Yep. Which like looking back on it was like, impo- even stuff that I thought was like, were certainties like ended up not being the case. So it's like, I don't know why, right. I don't know why I felt that way. I'm much better now. And I think like my like career to date, my serious career to date has like shown that I'm like much more comfortable just kind of like focusing more on the present and like making sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm like maximizing the value that it's giving me versus always like thinking ahead to some like thing future that I'm working towards that like may or may not happen. Right. Um, I like kind of like in songwriting a little bit where it's you could like obsess all day over like what your music career is going to be and you do need to think about those things to some extent but you're only as good as the last song you wrote right so like and that ha- that's a very like present thing that you, where you can't really think about those future things you know if you're writing you just have to like come up with good melodies and, and good and stuff like that so it's like alright I guess if there's like some some Venn diagram where there's some overlap between you know, music and, and work, it's that like, I guess I kind of stopped like obsessing about like what some weird end goal is, is going to be. And, you know, yep. kind of just focus more on like doing good stuff in the present, I guess. Yeah. And so, the... so, zen, so zen of me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so John, on the flip side, any things that you would tout as your biggest successes to date? Highlights? I've had like small stuff that I'm proud of, but yep. like, there's, there's no jewel in the crown of my career so far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess my biggest success, I mean, it's not like, you know, one thing that's happened or, or like, you know, project or award I've won or a project yeah. I'm really proud of. It. I guess it's that I've just gotten myself to a place where I feel like if I'm not doing what I want to be doing, I don't, I don't have to do it. Right. And I'm like confident, I'm confident in that. Right, right. Last question, John. Knowing what you know today, what would you or how would you advise your younger self? I would. This is going to sound so trite, but I mean, I would just push myself to not worry about like what other people, other people's expectations of me are. Yep. And not get so in my own head about what I should or shouldn't be doing or how I should or shouldn't be spending my time. And just sort of like, you know, be okay with 
what I was doing at the time and like not, not worry too much about like where the grass is, is greener. I think I spent like a lot of years working towards stuff that I thought I should be working towards that ultimately I see now as like a waste of energy and time when I should have been, you know, just traveling more and writing music more and focusing more on music because I'm at somewhat of a disadvantage now that I'm like older. I feel like I'm like five years behind where I should be in that sense. And I think that if I was five years ahead, I actually maybe could be doing music full time in a way. Um, and not having this just, you know, even just like my life situation, you know, I have a kid and, you know, I'm married and it's like the time to focus on things like art is before those things happen for the most part. (laughs) And like, yeah, it's fine. You can, you can, it's working out just fine for my life now. But like, you know, I would, I would advise my younger self to, you know, go all in on that while you can, because it's really hard to go all in on that when you're older. Thank you, sir. Really, really good conversation. I appreciate the uh, the fourth. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gert Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating, and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com.